Good morning. It is such a privilege to be here, and we have such a good word to look at from God. He's going to speak to us through His word, and that is an awesome opportunity that we have. Please turn in your Bibles to Exodus 3. So long we've been in the back, very back of the Bible. This morning we get to be at the very front of the Bible. So Exodus 3, we're going to be reading from verses 1 through 14. Once you have found your place, please stand so we can hear the word read. Exodus 3, beginning at verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel had come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh." that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I, that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that, when, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The people... The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Lord God, we praise you and we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us. Lord, that your spirit is here, that your spirit is powerful. Lord, and that as you speak to us and through your spirit, Lord, you work in our hearts. You do an amazing thing. You do a work that, Lord, draws us unto you, helps us to love you more. Lord, we praise you for that, and we thank you for that, Lord. We pray that your word would work in an immense, in a great, in an awesome way this morning. Pray so in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. What is in... A name. What's in a name? Names uh, can be so arbitrary, right? My name is Andrew because that's the name my parents chose. Uh, My son's name is Ezekiel because it's a strong and a biblical name. And yet there's nothing about Ezekiel that necessitated we call him 
and name him Ezekiel. They're so arbitrary. And yet, names also pack so much meaning. Every name tells a story. So if I were to mention the name Parker to you, every one of you have a story and an image, uh, some idea of what Parker means. And that's individual to, to each of us. We all have different stories. Some of them about Parker are this great, awesome Parker. Some, oh uh, yeah, we didn't necessarily like Parker so much. But we all have stories associated with names. Names pack so much meaning. That's why it's so hard, at least for Anessa and I, to name our children. Because both of us have so many stories with all these different names, and, and so many are, are good for me and bad for her. Names matter so much. There's so much meaning. In our text this morning, we are given the name of God, the name Yahweh. Moses asks in verse 13, Lord, what is your name? And God responds and says, I am who I am. God reveals his name, and we see his name actually written out in verses 4 and 7. If you look, you will see in verse 4 and 7 the word LORD in all caps. That is Yahweh. This is the personal covenantal name of our God. God says, I am who I am. He just is. There's nothing that we can uh, compare him to. There's no one we can compare him to. He just is self-existent God. Now, Yahweh, being the name that here is being revealed to Moses, is the personal covenantal name of our God. It was a very, and still is a very special name to God's people. But the name was special because of what it meant, the meaning behind the name. Because it referred to God, yes, a God who is almighty, infinite, eternal, but also a God who is loving and covenant-keeping and compassionate and kind. When you, when you hear the word Yahweh, right, our, our faces should be bright with joy because this is our loving, awesome God. Well, in our text this morning, God reveals his name to Moses, and we see him not only state his name, but as he gives his name, we see the meaning that is packed in the name of Yahweh. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Let's focus on, in these 15 verses, how the Lord gives meaning to his name. He gives that meaning to Moses, and then Moses was to give that to his people. And now, today even, this morning, we get to hear the meaning, what kind of God Yahweh is. So who is this God? Who is this Lord that we are all here this morning to worship? Well, first, we'll see in our text that the Lord comes down. Secondly, we'll see in our text how the Lord cares deeply. And thirdly, how the Lord, Lord certainly delivers. He comes down, he cares deeply, and he certainly delivers. So first, let's look at verses 1 through 4 and see how the Lord comes down. We find Moses in verse 1, keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. And he comes to the mountain of God, Mount Horeb. And all of a sudden, there's this bush that's burning. And yet it's not consumed. And Moses takes notice of it and says, this is very weird. I need to figure out why this bush is not burning up. And in verse 4, we see the Lord call out to Moses. He says, Moses, Moses. Moses says, here I am. And Moses responds. And he says, I, I am here. I'm ready. I'm ready to listen because you have called out to me. God says, I am the God of your father. And as God, if you are in my presence, you ought to treat me. As such, you ought to respect me in my presence, so take off 
your shoes. That would be like for us today if we go into the presence of someone that we respect and that we care about, we take our hat off. Or even more recently, you take your AirPods out of your ear. You are in the presence of God. And that's where we find Moses. Just in the wilderness, taking care of this flock of sheep. And that's when the Lord comes down. I love it in stories in Scripture where the Lord comes down. Um, Oftentimes, when the person that he's coming down to least expects it. Moses now has been minding his own business, not in Egypt. He's been out of Egypt now for 40 years after he killed the Egyptians. And now he's just minding his own business with this flock of sheep, and God comes to him. Now, unlike Moses, the people in Egypt... Well, they have been slaves now for over 400 years. Over that time, the, their, uh, cor- the corruption of Pharaoh in Egypt has grown so much. They are suffering. They're being oppressed. Over the time that uh, they first came to Egypt, they have grown to be uh, millions of people in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh doesn't like so many people being in his land, so much of one tribe being in his land, so he increases their oppression. They wanted to make their lives terrible. And in the end of Exodus 2, right before our text, the people of Israel are groaning out. They are crying for help. This isn't a random time that the Lord comes down to Moses because the Egyptians are in pain. There's slavery. They're crying out. And it's here that the Lord comes down to meet with his people. He enters into their story. While the people have so much forgotten about the Lord, so much have no more hope to get out of their oppression, he enters into their story. He stoops down and comes to them. And in verse 2, it says that the, the, the Lord comes to Moses in a flame of fire. And we don't want to skip over this important detail. He comes in a flame of fire. Uh, This is important that the Lord reveals himself as a flame of fire. In Exodus 19, verse 18, right before God is uh, giving the covenant to Moses on Mount Sinai, it says that Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord had descended upon it as fire. The Lord comes as fire. Also, at the end of Exodus, we see a cloud of fire over the tabernacle by day and Uh, the fire over it by night. God, throughout Exodus, throughout the Old Testament, reveals himself as fire. But there's also an instance in Scripture, before the time of Moses, that God has already revealed himself as fire. And that's in Genesis 15. And in Genesis 15, the Lord comes to Abram, or as we now know him as Abraham, And the Lord makes a covenant with Abraham and promises Abraham two things. He promises as much offspring as there are stars in the the sky, and that he's going to give him a land. And that's the same land that we see in our text in verse 8. The Lord promises Abraham these two things, but says that first, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in in a land that is not theirs. It will be servants there. They will be afflicted for 400 years But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. 
So Exodus 3, the text we're looking at today, is directly connected to that covenant that God made with Abraham in Genesis 15. We see the Lord coming now to fulfill that promise. And this is where we see him come as a fire. Still in Genesis 15, Abraham asks how he will know. How can I be sure that you are going to give me this people, all these descendants, and this land? And God seals this covenant, this promise, with a sign. He has Abram bring him a cow, a goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And Abram is to cut the cow, goat, and ram in half and put both of those halves on either side, and then the turtle dove and the pigeon. All of these dead animals making up a pathway. And what happens is, once it's dark, there's a flaming pot, or a, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch, This is God's presence. Again, God comes as a flame, as fire. And this smoking pot and this flaming torch goes through the midst of these animals. And this is God's seal of the promise. I will do this. And what he's saying is, if I don't fulfill this promise for this offspring and for this land, I shall be like these dead animals. Cut me in half. I promise upon my life that I will give you this offspring in this land after a time of slavery. So at this point in history, when we come back to Moses and the people of e- in, in Egypt, we see that God had to come. God had to come. It wasn't a random time. He had to come. His nature and his character were at stake. His promise to Abram had to be followed through on. The Lord had to come after 400 years and save his people out of Egypt. So the Lord comes down to fulfill this covenant promise. And the Lord comes as a fire. But and notice that in verse 2 that there is a fire in, the, in a, a servant of the Lord, an angel of the Lord speaks in this fire. It's not the bush that is talking, but an angel or a messenger of God that is speaking to Moses. So who is this messenger? Well, we see him referred to as the Lord in verses 4 and 7. He has the covenantal name of God. Not only that, but he calls himself the I am who I am. It's this messenger that says, I am who I am. So this doesn't necessarily seem to be a messenger from God. It seems more like this is God himself. Well, could that be? Could God himself come in the Old Testament and meet with Moses, enter into his story? Well, yes. This is God himself. More specifically, this is the second person of the Trinity. The second person who we later know as Jesus in his incarnation. Before He is fully God and fully man. Jesus, throughout the Old Testament, reveals himself to his people. It's not abnormal that the second person of the Trinity, before his incarnation, would come and speak to God's people. Jonathan Edwards says, When we read of God's appearing after the fall, from time to time, in some visible form or outward symbol of his presence, We are ordinarily, if not universally, to understand it of the second person of the Trinity. 
So, so far in our text, we see the Lord, Jesus, before his incarnation, come down to meet with Moses. But why does he come down? Why does Jesus come down at this point to meet with Moses? Is it to judge? Is it that he might be worshipped? Well, that's what we're going to look at in verse 7. The Lord cares deeply. The Lord comes down to Moses because he cares. In verse 7, we see three verbs that are associated with the Lord. First, he has seen the oppression of his people. He has heard their cries, and he knows their sorrows. He hears, or he sees, he hears, he knows. Our God cares. He has seen the suffering of his people, how they've been oppressed. He hears their cry. He knows their suffering and their sorrow. Psalm 34, 15 says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The Lord could not stand their sorrow anymore. He couldn't let Pharaoh continue his hateful oppression of his people. No, these are my people, and I have made a covenant with them. I have desired to bless them, to be with them. I am their God. They are my people. I am going to take them back. I care about them. God cares. This is one of the most amazing truths in Scripture. One thing uh, that you and I desire almost more than anything else in the world You and I want to be heard, seen, known, and ultimately cared about. So much of our existence, we are trying to be seen and heard and known and cared about. And that's exactly what our covenant God offers to you this morning. A personal relationship with someone who knows, someone who cares. Well, do you believe that? Do you live like our God cares? Do you believe that he hears and he sees and he knows? Or do you relate to God like many teenagers relate to their parents? No, mom, you don't understand. You don't get it, mom. This isn't the same world that you grew up in, mom. You don't know and you aren't caring enough. Our covenant-keeping, eternal, infinite God cares about his people, know that, believe that, that he cares. So that when you're sad and when you're discontent, discontented, when you're hurting, when you're filled with sorrow, when you're a victim of injustice, know that God cares. And what a proof of his care. He, he proves that he cares by coming down, our first point. He, he comes down because he cares so deeply. We, uh, as humans, love it when people show how much they care by coming. So um, I had this feeling when I first preached uh, my first ever sermon, I preached about 45 minutes south of the town that I grew up in. And when I looked out over the pews, half of the people were there to support me. They made this 45-minute drive on a Sunday evening to go and, and, and encourage me by being there to listen. And that was such an encouragement. You, you guys all came, uh, and that's so awesome, and I thank you so much. And it shows how much they care. My, uh, a lot of my, or my children also 
watch movies. And so much of the theme of a lot of those great movies are someone taking a long, arduous journey because they care. So you see the shock in Woody's face when he says, hey, Buzz, guys, you came. How'd you find me here? Right? Uh, so shocked and so much like, wow, they, they care. The same uh, inflection is in Nemo's voice when his dad just took this journey all the way across the ocean to come and find his son. He cares. Our God cares. And he shows that he cares by coming down. What an amazing reminder that no matter where you're at this morning, no matter what your week has looked like, no matter what people have said about you or you think about you, no matter your trials or your joys, our God cares so much, so deeply about you. And thirdly, as we seek to understand the meaning of Yahweh from these verses, we see in verses 8 through 14 that the Lord certainly delivers. It's such a blessing that Yahweh not only comes down and that he not only cares, but also that he certainly delivers. If he uh, came down and if he cared so much but had no power or no plan to save, we would still be without any hope. And yet he comes with this power, with this plan to save. The Lord knew the oppression and he couldn't handle it anymore. He couldn't wait. His perfect sovereign timing has come. And what is the Lord going to do? He's going to certainly deliver. He's going to take them out of the slavery, out of the bad, out of the oppression. But not only that, he's going to bring them in to the good. He's going to restore what's been broken. Here in verse 8, the Lord is going to bring them into the good. It says, a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So in order to have milk and honey, you need healthy and fat cows and bees. And if you have healthy and fat cows and bees, that means that you have a lot of grass and flour. Um, So there is a land with a bunch of grass and a bunch of flowers. You have fat cows and fat bees. It is a good land, okay? It's a very good land. So fat cows, fat bees, and it's a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So one people, one nation is going to inhabit the same amount of space that it took six people groups to inhabit before. Just this one is going to take up the amount of six people groups. It is a good land, and it is a broad land. Yahweh is going to restore his people. He's going to bring them back into this blessing, out of the bad and into the good. And he gives a sign to Moses. The Lord gives a sign that surely this will come to pass. In verse 11, Moses doubts. But the Lord answers that doubt and says in verse 12, This shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt and you serve God on this mountain. Which is weird. So the Lord makes a promise. And then he said, this is the sign. After the promise has been fulfilled, you will know. So after the promise has already been fulfilled, here's the sign that I actually did that. He doesn't give a promise 
And then you will see that promise, and then you will know. He says, I'm going to do this, and afterwards you will see the sign. Calvin says, still this promise seems neither apt nor opportune, since it would not exist in effect till the thing was done. The sign of the promise doesn't come until the promise is complete. But what is God promising? God says, I will deliver you. I will bring you out. I will be with you. Follow after me. Be my instrument. And in the end, you will know that it was I who sent you. It's going to happen. You will see. Trust, believe, have faith. And in the end, I will show you. When you lead the people out of Egypt, you will come back to this mountain, Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. I'm going to do this. I'm going to deliver you out, and you're going to come back to Mount Sinai, and you're going to worship me. What more of a promise does Moses need than this? Well, Moses asks this question because the Lord has told him that Moses is going to be the instrument by which the Lord is going to bring this deliverance. And of course, Moses asks, who am I? And it's beautiful that the Lord responds to his question, not with saying who Moses is and all his qualities and qualifications to bring his people out, but he says, no, it's not about you, it's about me. Yahweh answers and declares who he is. Calvin again says, we seek no ground of confidence apart from him. It is enough that he is on our side. God is going to use this weak, sinful, needy man to accomplish this beautiful deliverance. A humble shepherd who hasn't been back to Egypt since he killed an Egyptian. He's going to use this lowly man to prove that it's not about the instrument, it's not about Moses, but it's about God. God is going to bring this deliverance. All Moses has to do is trust and follow the Lord's directing. Well, when Moses got back to God's people in Egypt, and when Moses comes to the people and says, hey, God talked to me, and he said he's going to deliver us from this slavery, and he's going to bring us into this awesome, beautiful land, then Moses could then give him the name of this God. Who is this God? And that's what I want to to finish with this morning. What is his name? First, in the name of Yahweh, we see that the Lord has come down. That second person of the Trinity, that one in the burning bush, the one who walked through that carcass pathway, saying, stating that he was going to deliver and was going to give him all these promises upon his life. That one says in John 8, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. Yahweh has come. God with us. The meaning of the name Yahweh is most clearly seen in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus has come down again. And why did he come down? Because he cares. He was not blind or deaf to our condition. He was not oblivious to the people here on earth. Those born in sin, those slaves of the devil, with no joy, surely having no hope, suffering under the reign of death. 
God has seen our suffering, how we are slaves. And Jesus shows that he cares. He has come down. He cares deeply. And he has come to deliver. Out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. And this deliverance is through his sacrifice on the cross. God came. This Yahweh came. The second person of the Trinity came and died for you that you might have life. Again, the flaming torch that that walked through that pathway. And as we continue to read through Exodus, that promised lamb was slain. He did die. He wasn't cut in half, but he did. He was put on the cross. He did save through his blood. Jesus is the ultimate revealer of Yahweh. Acts 4 says, There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And then Philippians 2, as we read, At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You and I have such a beautiful picture of the meaning of Yahweh in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We see so much more clearly than Moses even did. That our God has come down. That our God does care deeply. And that our God has surely delivered. This is the God who we have come to worship this morning. So I ask again, what's in a name? Well, in the name of Yahweh and in the name of Jesus is the gospel. A God who came, who cares, who delivers. If you don't know this name, if you're sitting here this morning and you do not know the name of Yahweh, especially if you don't know Jesus, if you don't love your God, if you find, still find yourself in bondage to sin and, and there's just no joy and, and you're, you've lost hope, well, God calls you again this morning and tells you that he has this morning come down again and that he now speaks to you through his word again right now this morning. He has sent his spirit down. He has given his word. And he tells you this morning that he has seen, that he has heard, that he knows. And that he has certainly come to deliver you from that domain of darkness. It's not about you. It wasn't about Moses. It's about God. We have a perfect, a perfect God. We don't have to be perfect. He came for the sick. And he offers himself to you. Believe and repent in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. You will be, into, will be brought into a restored relationship with this covenant God. Freed from the devil. Freed from death. Brought in to the blessing of being an adopted child of God. And, in the end, you will be brought into the ultimate kingdom forever. Brothers and sisters, do you love the name Yahweh? And do you love the name Jesus? When you hear Jesus, just the word, the name, does that just warm your heart, right? I give you so much joy, like the name of a, a loved one, right? Your father or your mother or your children. Does that name just give you so much joy? Your God has come and he cares. He has delivered you. 
be acquainted with his name every day. Right? Sit at his feet. Learn from him. Pray in his name. Have confidence also as you die that you will be brought into his kingdom because of his name. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we do thank you so much that you have come down in the person of Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity. You have come down because you care and you have delivered us, Lord, such an amazing truth. Lord, help that truth to seep into our hearts, to seep into our minds. Lord, this is such good news, so worthy of celebration. And Lord, that's what we get to do now. We get to celebrate this salvation. We get to celebrate your name. We praise you and we thank you for that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.